Amen. I believe in God the Father. I believe in, in God the Son. I believe in God the Holy Spirit. I believe that Jesus Christ was totally a human being, but also totally God, and that he came down on earth so that he could live a perfect life. And so that then, once he lived that, once all of his people betrayed him, he would go up on a cross, and that his blood would actually set me free from all the wrongs that I ever did and all the wrongs that I'm ever going to do. And because of that, I believe that actually, since Jesus rose from the dead and since he sent the Holy Spirit to his people, that I am filled with the Holy Spirit. The power of God is in me and in anyone who believes in Jesus Christ. And because I believe that, I think that everything in my whole life I owe to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Do we believe? We're in a faith crisis in modern day. I just, there was just an article yesterday that I read from The Atlantic, a really big publishing news place, and it, it was titled this, The Misunderstood Reason That Millions of Americans Have Stopped Going to Church. Do you know what this person says that the misunderstood reason is? He says, the defining reason driving people out is just how American life works. Pretty simple. The defining reason is America's got a lot of things that make faith actually really difficult for us. So when we look at the last 10 years in the United States, 10% of our entire country has chosen and changed to a route of no faith whatsoever. 10% of the entire population in the United States. In the last 20 years, and this is just, this is just heavy and saddening, 22% of the United States, those who are considered Christians, are no longer identifying as Christians. Over 40 million people have left the church in the last 20 years. It's a lot of people. It's a lot, a lot going on. Now what in the world is happening? Why are we in this faith crisis? Why are so many people struggling with faith in the United States? Why is non-religion the third most popular religion in the world now? Really interesting question for us to ask today. And so today we're going to talk about these verses in Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to talk about why faith, number one, is really hard. Because it is. And because there's actually a lot of things in our world that make faith really hard. We're going to talk about, number two, why faith is actually so much easier. And then number three, we're just going to talk about how to guard the Bible says we have to guard this deposit that has been entrusted to us, how to guard this faith with our time, with our energy, with our minds. So we're going to sweep through those three things because we know on the one hand that Jesus says some pretty hard stuff. Anyone ever read some of that stuff? He says some pretty hard stuff and you're like, whoa, who is this guy? He says you have to pick up your cross and carry it daily in Luke chapter 9. And then he also says, my burden 
is light and my yoke is easy. So we're trying to make sense of both of these and how we can actually focus on the God that we believe in. On the God. If you haven't believed yet, we're just going to be talking about this God that we have put our trust in and why it's so hard to continue to follow him. So today, as we get ready to read this scripture, we're just going to come to the text. We're going to come desperate for the text because there's a lot going on in our lives and we need the wisdom of God. And this, this is the word of God that we're reading together. So we're just going to stand up. And we're going to read this scripture together. So I invite you to stand. If you haven't fallen asleep yet, I'm doing great. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. Let's read it together. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Last two verses. This is where the hope comes in. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You can go ahead and sit. Thank you for that. Um, What a wild passage, right? What in the world is happening? There's fire and lions and death and torture and everything imaginable in about eight verses of scripture. What in the world is happening? What this passage is saying is that by faith, people did things and do things that don't even make sense. So let's walk through a few reasons why it's so hard to have the kind of faith that's in this passage. And the first reason we're going to talk about The first reason is faith is hard because we have so much. Faith is hard because we have so much. I was speaking with a man on a plane. It was an eight-hour flight. And I don't really fit in planes, if you didn't notice, um, like at all. And I got a middle seat, which was wonderful, and was very thankful for a flight, you know? Anyways, I'm talking to this guy, and he is a professor of history and philosophy from Denmark. So we begin chatting, and we are talking through a bunch of different things. We begin, you know how you try to like shift the conversation towards Jesus? Was doing that. We made it to Jesus, and he started talking about his country in Denmark. And he started telling me that 9 out of 10 people that he knew, about 90% of his country, had no faith whatsoever. Just none. Like, not in any other religion, just just in nothing. 
And I asked him about his faith, which he tried to navigate around, but I didn't let him. And then he, he told me, he said, yeah, I, I don't believe in anything either. And I said, why do you think your country is like that? And he looks at me as we sit very closely on this plane. And he says something I just won't forget. He looks at me and he says, I just think we don't need faith anymore. We don't need it. We have so much. Then we keep talking and we have a great conversation and eventually we're talking about heaven and hell and eventually he looks at me and says, you, you think I'm going to hell, don't you? And I said, yes, I do. <laughs> and then we sat together for six more hours. It was great. <laughs> um, it actually was a great conversation. We've texted a little bit since then. Anyways, his name was Nikolai also, which is just awesome. Faith is hard because we have so much. There's a story in the scriptures. It's about this guy. His name is Samson. Anyone ever heard of Samson? It's like the perfect children's story because every young boy wants to be Samson and be super strong. Samson is this guy who the spirit of the Lord comes on him, and he has this strength. And he's able to defeat all of the enemies of God over and over and over and over. And he is rescuing this people from the Philistines, who are the bad guys. But eventually, Samson becomes distracted. He has a lot going for him. He has a lot of renown. He has a lot of focus and attention on him. He has a lot of strength and power. He gets distracted by things like pride, like sexuality, all these different things. And all of a sudden, we come to this passage, and Samson is with this woman. And as my mom would say, don't ever, ever marry the wrong woman. He's with this woman that's just a bad woman. And she's trying to kill him. It's kind of not good. What happens is this. You read it in Judges chapter 16, verse 20. She, Delilah, his wife, says, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So she's actually invited the bad guys to come and get Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. He's expecting to have that same strength that God has given him over and over and over and over. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. I think maybe one of the reasons why faith is so hard in our context is that we have so much and we are so distracted that we don't even know when the Lord has left us because we never depended on him in the first place. We just sang that song, I depend on you. It's pretty hard to depend on the Lord when you live in some of the cultures that we are accustomed to. Why do we think that all the richest, most wealthy, most advanced economies and countries in the world are the ones that are choosing no faith? Because we think we have enough without God. It is hard to focus on all that we lack and to recognize that we actually need something more. I uh, have a lot of siblings. They're, they're great. Five, brother, five, five boys in my family. And so we never fought once. Uh, we, were, we were really good children. Except for two of my other brothers, not me. 
uh, Israel and Chunk. We call him Chunk because he was a very large baby. And the name stuck. And it continues to stick even though he's 26. <laughs> Chunk and Israel were always feuding. They just were. And one of the things, one of the main things that they really feuded over was computer games. Because we had this one computer and we had a little white timer. And my parents would tell us, you get 30 minutes on your timer, you set the timer, once it goes off, it was the most obnoxious sound ever, then you're done, that's it. And then you like rotate kids until all six kids get to play. You get 30 minutes on Saturdays, that's it, you're done, no more after that. Now here's the thing, Chunk, being the troublemaker that he always was, would hear that timer go off. And I know you won't believe this, he would keep playing. <laughs> he really would. And Israel, my older brother, being a seeker of justice and of righteousness, would make sure that Chunk would be removed from that seat near the computer by physical force. And they would fight. And one time I remember going up the stairs to this little place where the computer is, and I get there. And both Israel and Chunk are on the ground. They've just fought. They're tired, so they're like heaving. And their faces are both bleeding from this argument that they had together. And I remember them both looking at me. And they just looked at me and they said, Don't tell mom. <laughs> and I felt so powerful in that time. I mean, I had, as the younger brother, I'm the fifth. There are very few instances where you have that much power, and I was just feeling it. It was really good. It was great. Why do I share that story? I share that story because we have so much more than Madden 2005. I just read a statistic from New York Times. It's an article. It says, the game industry now accounts for significant chunks of the economy. It is larger than music. U.S. book publishing, and North American sports combined. The average 15 to 24-year-old male who plays video games plays for 3.84 hours a day. That's just video games. We're not talking about cellular devices. We're not talking about TV. We're not talking about other screens. 3.84 hours a day. You know why it's hard to have faith? Because anytime you're looking at something visible, it's impossible to see the invisible. When we're totally focused on all that's in our ears, and we're filled with noise all the time, it's really hard to hear the voice of God. And so we've got kids who are trying to compete with this stuff, 10-year-old boys who have no chance <laughs> against the neuroscientists and psychologists who are developing these games in order to what? What are they trying to do? Take your time and your attention and your money. And so I say this just as, a, as someone who was a kid and as someone who would have loved a lot more than 30 minutes a day. But we are in constant defense against these distractions that will steal our lives and pull us into a virtual world. The, the, the destruction of men in this country is not as much this toxic masculinity conversation as much as it is we are just living in another world. Distracted. It is difficult, it is hard to have faith 
in this place because there is just so much. There is so much, so many other things to focus on. And so I think, yeah, just now as a plead with you, artificial intelligence is coming, AI, virtual reality, VR, it's going to change a lot of this landscape where it's going to be even more difficult. And this upcoming generation and my generation will get bulldozed if we are not protected. So I just encourage, encourage you, it's worth the fight. It really is. Faith is hard because we just have so many distractions. And they're honestly pretty cool and interesting and really appealing. But faith is easy because faith says there's something more. Faith says there is so much more. You see, when you actually have everything, you've probably heard the stories of of celebrities and famous people who get all the way to the top and they get everything they ever dreamed of and then, what's next? There's nothing. It's not enough. It's never enough. And so when we look at our culture, at our understanding of the world, when we think that actually we can order just about anything and it comes in one day, when we have Amazon, we have Google, you can, we have so much power that sometimes it becomes hard to trust in him. But at the same time, when you have all that and you still don't have enough and we still have to create more and more and more and more, you begin to realize there's got to be something else. Faith is easy. It's easy for me to believe in Jesus because then I'm able to make sense of how nothing satisfies me of how nothing ever satisfies me as much as I have, as much as I succeed in, as much as I get, nothing will satisfy. And so faith is easy because it makes sense of all that doesn't make sense in this world. And faith is easy because when those things are taken from us, when really hard things happen, and all of a sudden we don't have so much anymore, we have something to fall back on. Because Jesus is always, always, always there. Yesterday, today, and forever. That's the first point. And how how do we guard this? How do we guard our faith? And here's just something that we talk about all the time in Radius. How do we guard ourselves from having so much? We guard ourselves through generosity. (laughs) We bless other people. We give them. we, We give up our time, our energy, our talents, our finances, our resources. We go of everything to other people because in the first place, we never believed it was ours. And that's a gift to us because it teaches us, it trains us that actually there's something more. There's something more than what we have. That's part one. Part two, why is faith hard? Faith is hard, and you know this one. Faith is hard because doubt is easy. Faith is hard because doubt is really easy. There's a story in the Bible from another one of these characters in Hebrews 11. His name is Gideon. Gideon is this guy who the Lord has called to rescue the people of Israel. And Gideon says, no, 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 I can't, I can't do that. And so he asked the Lord time and time again. He says, Lord, prove yourself to me. 
Lord, prove that I can actually do this. And then, Lord, prove yourself to me. And then prove that I can do this. And you get a chapter and a half of the Bible devoted to Gideon trying to figure out whether he can have faith in the Lord. Gideon doubts over and over and over and over. There's even a verse in this passage of Judges chapter 6, verse 17. And Gideon says to God, If now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak to me. And when he's saying that, he's trying to get God to prove himself. He's trying to get past these doubts. He's trying to move away from this constant thinking that that there's nothing else there. I am a, a pretty impractical person. It's kind of terrible. I uh, have no skill with tools whatsoever. In fact, if you gave me any sophisticated tool, like a screwdriver, <laughs> I just, I just, I'm not very good with this stuff. And I just lost the respect of like everyone in the room. That's okay. I'm good at reading and writing. Uh, not very good with these. But if you give me a sledgehammer, I'm actually really talented. Uh, I can break things down like nobody's business. I got a good, very long swing, and I can just destroy whatever you want me to destroy. Just call me up, I'll break it down. It is so much easier to break things down than to build them up. Have you ever had a word or a phrase or a monologue escape your lips? And once it escaped, you realize it might take a really long time to reach and bring that back. Because just a few words can be totally destructive, but then it takes years to build someone back up to the person that they were before those words. It is so much easier to destroy things than to build them back up. And doubt is the act of destroying things. Doubt is is this thing that we we do, and we think we're super smart (laughs) in America because we're skeptical of everything, and we distrust everything, and it makes us feel like we're able to see through everything. But what C.S. Lewis says, he, he writes this book, and he says, You know, once you see through everything, all of a sudden, what are you seeing? Nothing. Nothing. Thank you. That was great. (laughs) Nothing. Seeing absolutely nothing, which is what we continue to do. No faith sees nothing at all. Faith, on the other hand, is this active building. It is an active building and growing and seeing things. You see doubt when it matures. The best it can become, when it's fully grown, is cowardice. And faith, when it matures, the best it can become is in the face of doubt, it becomes courage. It becomes courageous. Because even though all these things are communicating different and hard truths, you have courage in the face of doubt. It is... Not easy to have faith. And yet, on the other hand, faith is easy because doubt is really, really hard. (laughs) Right? Doubt is so, so hard. To continue to undermine everything that you believe, it's really, really hard. We're in the middle of a faith crisis, yes, and then on the other hand, we're in the middle of a mental health crisis. It's funny how those two kind of go together. It's funny how a lot of people are extremely anxious right now. 
a lot of people in this room filled with anxiety. Why are we so anxious when we have so much, when we have so many solutions to these things? It's because we are constantly in this place trying to create our own identities. You know that conversation with sexuality. We are trying to create our own identities. And when you do that, you have no rest. There is no rest. Faith is easy because we can actually find rest in something that lasts and doesn't change and stays the same and is our rock and our refuge and our stronghold and does not blow over by the wind and the waves. Faith is easy because we have something to stand on. Mm. So when we come and we take this bread and juice later that represents Jesus' blood and body, we recognize that we actually have someone (laughs) that we can trust in always through every single season. The other, just a few days ago, I I was actually doubting a little bit. I just remember, maybe you've been there before. I was praying, and I was like, what am I doing? You ever been there? I was praying, and I just asked myself, what in the world is, like, is anything happening right now? What, what am I? And I tell the Lord, I'm like, Lord, I'm, <laughs> I'm preaching on faith this Sunday. <laughs> I need a little help here. Please strengthen my faith. I get multiple texts that day from people saying, I'm praying for you. Just a shout out. Send a text every once in a while. It's really big. I get another text, a voice message. And it's my friend who I actually ha- was a little bit at odds with last year. He had some things that he, he disagreed with me on. He, he sends me this voice message. He apologizes for some of our altercations in the past. And then he ends his message by saying, I'm praying for your faith. I said, Lord, <laughs> thank you. The beautiful thing about all this is if you're feeling pressure, that you've had doubts, that you are struggling to be really devoted to Jesus, is that even when Peter is falling into the waves, what does Jesus do? Jesus reaches out his hand, and he grabs this guy named Peter, who's sinking in the waves, and he lifts him up, and he puts him on a firm foundation. That's my God. So faith is easy, because Jesus is, a, is, is a something we can stand on. When everything else in this world is changing more rapidly than maybe it ever has before. What is the spiritual discipline that can defend us from this? The discipline is, is being in community with people that love Jesus. Discipline is being able to get a voice message from a friend who also loves Jesus and him being able to encourage me. The discipline is going out of my way to spend time with the people of Jesus because when I'm struggling, I need somebody else to tell me where God is. And so that is the gift of the church. That's why we're here today is because sometimes we feel really isolated and lonely. And if we are alone, it is really easy for the enemy to attack us. A sheep by itself is pretty easy for a wolf to pick off. When we're together, when we're united, when we actually sacrifice our schedules so that we hang out with people who love Jesus, even if they don't look like us, that's what defends our faith. Tough in an individualistic culture. Tough in a culture where we stay on these devices. Tough. Third point, last point. Faith is hard because... Oh, 
I got to mix up my sheets, y'all. Faith is hard because it proves nothing about you. Faith is hard because it doesn't look at you at all. There's a passage in, in the scriptures, also one of the people in Hebrews chapter 11. His name is Barak. I know you didn't think that your former president was in the Bible. <laughs> he is. Barak, Judges chapter 4 verse 8. Barak is talking with this woman named Deborah, and he says, Deborah, I need you on my team because if you're not here, then the presence of God is not here. You ever met a, a woman, especially who just like is a praying woman, and you're like, I need, I need you right now. <laughs> Can you please come this way? Barak is saying, this woman has the presence of God with her. I want her on my side because where God is, God will win. But Deborah says to him, Deborah said, well, let me read the verse first. Barak said to her, if you will go with me, I will go, only if you go with me. But if you do not go with me, I will not go. And Deborah says this to him. She says, if, if I go, and I want to go with you, Barak, but if I go, you will receive no glory. Because everybody's going to know that the Lord actually won, and not you. You know what's hard about faith? is that everything is teaching us to glorify ourselves and to try to make ourselves better and to try to improve ourselves in the self-improvement world. And the Bible actually says, you can't do enough. You are messed up. You do wrong things. And you're not worthy of the attention that you so long for and desire. But you know why faith is really easy. Because the Bible says, you are not enough. But there's this man named Jesus Christ, and he is enough. And you don't have to prove yourself anymore. You don't have to be good enough at anything. You don't have to be powerful enough. You don't have to be strong enough. You don't have to have enough. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be important. You don't have to be significant because the only person that it matters is Jesus Christ. And if you're significant in his eyes... You have infinite worth. Amen? Amen? And so we can rest. And so faith is easy because we get to have Jesus. And so all this the whole passage, all these different people, they're saying things over and over and doing hard things, but it's not actually pointing to them. No one actually cares about those people. None of those people saved us. All those people were just pointing to God through their faith. Faith is about seeing through you and seeing Jesus Christ. The Bible, it talks about like the Holy Spirit filling us up. What is that? Except for just looking like Jesus. So we have this gift of faith that actually makes life a whole lot easier because we don't have to prove ourselves. We are free from that. We are absolutely free. And how do we, how do we protect that freedom? We pray. Because every time we go to God, and every time we speak with him, we're actually orienting ourselves. We're actually going into reality, which is saying, God, you're the biggest thing, and I need you right now. And so every single time we come to God, we, we, we remind ourselves that somehow Jesus has allowed us into the presence of God, and he actually wants to be with us. Faith. It's hard because it proves nothing, but it's easy because it has nothing to prove. Last thing, and then I'll be done. I think for me, one more really significant reason that faith is hard in our context, Jesus always talks about like crucifixion, sacrifice of self, talks about some really hard things, 
And you just you begin to wonder, like, what does that look like in America? What, what does it look like to endure some hard things, to see things come to truth, to have walked through fire? What is it? I think the Lord gave me a little bit of a vision of what that looks like, and it was just a gift from him. I think he gave a lot of people in my generation a gift in that way. I was actually able to go to Asbury University a couple of months ago. Maybe you've heard about what happened over there. Some of you are nodding your heads. What had happened was just a few students stayed after a chapel at Asbury. And after they stayed, they just worshipped. And then they confessed sin to each other, and they were repenting together. And then they worshipped some more, and then they prayed, and then they worshipped some more, and then they didn't stop worshipping for 16 days. And then 50,000 people came and visited Wilmore, Kentucky, in the middle of nowhere. And the whole city shut down <laughs> because they weren't big enough to hold all these people as the people worshipped every single day and night for 16 days. And then a group of us came from our college and a group from a bunch of different colleges, universities, churches, places around the United States and around the world came. We came, we went back to my school and we worshipped for over 50 days straight. Every night for three or four hours. Not to prove anything, but because he was worth that. Because he was calling us into that. There was a two-week period where we prayed 24-7. 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m., 6 a.m., through all the way through college students using that time. Multiple nights we prayed from 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. Like, What? Friday nights in college, imagine. Some people stood in front of the whole school and confessed things that made them look bad. Do we have an imagination for what the Lord can do in our homes, in our communities, in our church? It is difficult to have that here. So I'm just going to read this chapter one more time, but I'm going to read it in our, our environment with our imagination, and then we'll be done. So, Hebrews 11 in America. And I have so much more to say, because I really do. I could talk to you all about that, that what happened this past semester for hours and hours. Time would fail me to tell of Ellie and Spencer and Ethan and Kyle and Colleen and Cade and the other Christians who, through faith, conquered addictions, restored relationships, obtained healing for mental health, stopped the attacks of anxiety, quenched the power of bitterness, escaped years of habitual pornography use, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in prayer, and worshipped for hours on end. Single moms led whole families to new life in Jesus. Some people were unappreciated, but they refused to complain so that they might rise again with Jesus Christ. Students sacrificed good times and screen time and even friendships and lifelong dreams. They confessed sin in front of others. They were not afraid of being healed. They went on in simple clothes, living simple lifestyles, unpopular, canceled, unknown, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, giving up even their homes or their hometowns to live where God would call them. And all of these, through their faith, they still did not receive what is promised. But one day they will. And one day, for those of us who have faith, we're going to go see God. And he's going to look at us who have been able to endure all the way. And he's going to say, well done, my good and my faithful servant.
Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to speak to you today. We thank you for how much you have given us. And Lord, we just pray that how much we have would not keep us from you, but that it would actually draw us nearer to you. Father, would you let us have generosity? Would you let us seek community, run towards it? Would you let us dive into prayer? Because we love you more than anything else. And if we believe what we believe, Lord, (laughs) there's nothing else but you. So Father, I just pray as we worship and as we spend this time with you, that we would recognize, oh Lord, that you have brought us through so much and that we would be able to imagine how much more you have for us. We pray all of this in the beautiful and powerful and wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.